Good afternoon, and welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Do you want to help make the world a better place but don't know where to start? Join us as we explore the possibilities on today's show with inspiring guests, uplifting music, and new ideas. So let's get started. Here are your hosts, Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead. Welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. I'm your host, Lorianne Rising. And I'm Uncle Mark Olmstead. Our guest today has had quite a notable career from Broadway to TV soap operas to teaching theater and much more. But he's here with us today to talk about his latest book. And it is a conversation I've really been looking forward to. But before we get into that, though, I just wanted to <laughs> I want to ask, does anyone have any idea or tips or strategies on downsizing or living a minimalist lifestyle? Because I am deep in this process right now and would love some insight if you've got it. Um, what helped you? And maybe, you know, an author or an expert or, you know, somebody that, that maybe we could even connect with and have them on the air to talk about this whole process on the show. I, I have a feeling that I'm not the only one going through this in, the, in this process right now. And if we could turn our adventures and, and challenging experience into something that helps others by sharing resources, that's what we're about. So visit our website at riseandshineas1.com and just connect with the contact form there and let us know how you got through it, which I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> I can vouch for the process he's in for sure. So today we are here with Lawrence Overmere. He has had a multifaceted career as a poet, an author, actor, director, educator, and genealogist. Scottish historian Ted Cowan calls him a true Sanachi, a genealogist as well as a bard. The Sanachis of ancient Celtic tradition were voices of conscience who knew the legends, the history, and the ancestral lineages. They united the people in story and song, argued for justice, and illuminated the difference between right and wrong. Overmere is a modern-day inheritor of that ancient tradition, and his work represents a call to conscience and a call to action. He is an advocate for a healthy, just, and peaceful world, and his poetry has been widely published in the U.S. and abroad. As a genealogist, he has helped hundreds of thousands of people connect with their family roots, as an actor, he's performed on Broadway, film, and television, and has been teaching arts programs in the schools and other venues for over 20 years. Welcome, Lawrence. Thank you so much for being with us today. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Now, and Lawrence, just to clarify, is it Overmere or Overmeyer? It's spelled Overmeyer. Yeah, it's Overmeyer. Thank you Overmeyer. for the correction. Yeah, Overmeyer. Okay. I apologize. Overmeyer. Thank okay. you. Just, just no problem. That the happens the all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, good. No we're, surprise. We're not the first thing good. Yeah. Well, that is, you have just done so much. I was just so impressed when uh, I started reading your book, and it, it, it just felt like something that, that I wish I had been writing. I mean, I, I, I just was so drawn to everything that, and it's, you've had such a colorful life. And, um, well, you, uh, going over your guys and your resumes and everything, I see, I see kindred spirits there. <laughs> so you guys are just like my wife and I work in tandem also, and we're all involved in the same kind of work. So uh, these are uh, like spirits here. Well, and it's like wonderful, wonderful to finally connect. <laughs> well, and, and now in terms of like with coming from the poet side, 
uh -huh. being a, a an, an actor and director and educator and genealogist. That's just it's fascinating. And now author, obviously you're author of multiple multiple books as well. Uh, but, but tell us a bit about your life's journey and, and why you do what you do. Well, essentially I've been, my whole life I've been finding out who I am. <laughs> so it's a continual journey of self-discovery. But what I've really discovered is that at heart, I'm an artist and a poet, uh, but it took a while to find that out. So I, I started out uh, in high school, I got involved in some plays and theater, musical comedies. And when I went to college, I wasn't sure what I wanted to be, but I knew I loved theater. So I started getting involved in theater. I was also interested in, uh, in human psychology. So I ended up doing a double major in those two things. And eventually I had to make a choice. Am I going to go into psychology or am I going into theater? So I, I had the real passion for theater. And I went to grad school at the University of Minnesota. And I studied acting and theater there. I got an MFA degree. And from there, I went into the Guthrie Theater, which is a, a renowned re regional theater in Minneapolis. And that launched my professional career. And then I went on to New York. And in New York, I worked uh, on Broadway and in Amadeus, starring uh, Mark Hamill, uh, was oh, the, wow. the lead at the time. And uh, awesome. so I, I did Broadway, and I did a lot of off-Broadway. Uh, I was in jo Joseph Papp's New York Shakespeare Festival in Central Park, which was a really fun place to work. Uh, and I also did a lot of uh, work in the soap operas. So I was on many of the different soaps. Uh, all my children loving as the world turns. I did things on all of them. So, um, oh so my, my career was happening, but um, that lasted, uh, it was a difficult life. <laughs> that's for mm. sure. Mm. Living mm -hmm. in New York as an actor is a really difficult life because you don't have a steady income. You're constantly moving from job to job. So it feels like you're constantly out of work. So you're always looking for work, always trying to get auditions. Then you have to deal with agents and all that. But at a certain point, uh, about 10 years after my, my lifestyle in New York, I, I had a divorce at, at that time. So I was ready for a whole new change and a life direction. And that's, then I went to Hollywood. So I was in Hollywood for a long time. I, I met uh, my future wife there, Nancy, who's with me now. And once we met, we really uh, realized that uh, we were compatible and we liked the same things. We really got along. And so we basically have been working in tandem ever since then. That was mm -hmm. the early 90s. So we've been together for about 30 years. And wow. on this incredible journey. Um, but then while we were in Hollywood, we experienced uh, the Northridge earthquake in oh, 1994. Man. And that was kind of life shattering for us because we were in a really bad part of the quake in the Hollywood mm -hmm. Hills. And the houses across the street tumbled down the hillside. There were people trapped. And so it was this traumatic scene. And we really had uh, post P PTSD after that. And mm -hmm. uh, so that really was kind of disturbing. Then there were riots happening in New York with Rodney King. So it was a whole lot of turbulence, not unlike what's happening now wow. in, in our world, uh, but um, it, it had a, a, a life-changing effect on me. And um, my parents and her parents at that time were elderly and they were having some you know, health issues uh, and they were both in Ohio. As it turns out, we grew up almost in parallel lives, almost in the same part of Ohio. And we didn't meet until we got to Hollywood. But mm -hmm. uh, anyway, we went back to Ohio for a few years to deal with these family issues. And at that point, we kind of shifted completely. 
And I started focusing on the poet side of me, which had mm -hmm. really started to come out. And I was doing a lot more writing. And then I started publishing. And also the genealogy started happening at that point. So I've been kind of transforming from the actor into a writer and a poet. And then we moved to Oregon after five years <laughs> ago. Your Oregon was like, Trail was a, was a slightly yeah, was, different we, course than most. It was actually, and, uh... we, we followed the Oregon Trail to get here. <laughs> and we did it in the middle of the winter. And there was a terrible blizzard. Oh, and man. it was life-threatening. We didn't know if we were going to make it even. So it was really as harrowing as, an or as the Oregon Trail. Wow. But when we got here, it was really like getting to paradise for us because uh, of the nature and the mountains and the ocean. And, and we yeah. just love it here. Mm -hmm. But um, it meant that we had to kind of change career paths. And uh, so that's when um, I really became a poet and a genealogist and, and started teaching a lot. I, I teach a lot in the schools. And, and Nancy's get, also doing that. You can yeah. get paid as a poet? No. <laughs> you can't get paid as a poet. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. But, just, I just so want to clarify a, that. No, no. It's a vocation <laughs> where you don't make any money. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering about now, you know, But it takes a lot of time and energy, though. So it's like well, a job no, that if, you don't get paid for. If you can turn the poetry into songs. Yeah, yeah there great. you go. I was wondering, that, did you ever do anything with music? With your oh, well, that's a, yeah, that's a big story in itself because uh -oh. uh, when I was young, <laughs> I always wanted to be a singer-songwriter like you. Oh, wow. <laughs> so if, my, if I did a, a, what I exactly wanted to do, I would have been a singer-songwriter-composer. Because as a kid, I was always having music in my head, and I was always listening to music. And, and I grew up in the 60s with the, the Beatles and oh, folk boy. music and all of that stuff. So, so that whole era is embedded in me. Mm. And that's where the mm -hmm. peace and love comes from, too. So, uh, so I'm very much a lover of music. And so because I couldn't play music, we, we had a kind of a, a challenging uh, upbringing in that we didn't have a lot of money. So I knew that we were financially strapped all the time. So it wasn't like I could ask my parents to give me music lessons and that kind of thing. So in that way, I, I, uh, I felt a little, at this point, I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't somehow make that happen. But uh, the alternative, as an artist, you always have to find alternatives. Okay, where mm -hmm. can I go, given what my opportunities are? And uh, that's when I started turning, instead of to the music aspect, I turned to the poetry aspect. And mm -hmm. poetry really is music. It's just the music of the voice, but you're still dealing with rhythm and sound. So mm -hmm. I really consider that poetry is just a, a fundamental form of music. Mm -hmm. So, so mm -hmm. music yeah. basically is my life. <laughs> and I would have a very uh, kind of dreary life if I didn't have music in it. Oh, very well, cool. Yeah, that, that's very, definitely true for us as, as well. Music, you know, obviously, Mark being a musician, it's definitely yeah. part of our lives anyway. But even before meeting him, I know music was very essential. Yeah, and for me, it, it's, uh, I always use it to emotionally ground myself. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm very eclectic in my musical taste. So depending on my mood, I'll want to listen to this type of music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and right. so I, I allow it to kind of... Uh, infuse me and, and kind of take me through uh, whatever mo emotional process that I'm going through. Right. It's amazing how, how powerful it is, isn't it? Just, well, and yeah. I, I know you use uh, quite a bit of poetry through your book as well. Is that poetry, you know, I think some of it you wrote, I think some of it not, but I did notice quite a bit of it in your book that really lends to the message itself. The, the one idea that saves the world. Yeah. I love that title. So, so why don't we get yeah and the, the, this is actually the second edition of the book yeah, yeah. so so i was reading the, the first edition and it's just was 
absolutely, absolutely speaking to me. Um, and so what is the difference between what, what have you added in the second edition that's that, you know, and maybe just let's talk about well, the, uh, the first. Yeah. So the, uh, the first edition came out in 2012 and that was a time, if you remember when, um, a lot of the uh, spiritual traditions at the time were saying that it was like a critical year and that things we would either get on a right path toward healing the earth or maybe we would go down the wrong path. So I felt mm -hmm. it was a critical time in, uh, in, in history and I wanted to get my thoughts down. I'd actually been thinking of this, the ideas that went into the book for many, many years, but I, I felt it was really a time where a message was needed. And at that time, uh, a lot of people weren't even cognizant that things were so dire in terms of climate change. And uh, since then, now in 2020, as I've worked on the second edition, I've noticed uh, uh, quite a few changes. And one of the major changes is that most people now are aware of climate change. They're aware that it's, it's uh, significant. We have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And so there's much more of an openness now. And, from what I, I do a lot of reading in the field and everything. And the main thing that's holding us back is the will to do it. So we've got the technology that we need. Uh, everything's mm -hmm. in place. All we have to do is politically say, let's do it. So that's really what this book is about it. And, um, and today um, we've seen a lot of issues happening in our current climate with uh, the politically, socially, environmentally, the whole world seems to be in upheaval. Would you agree with that? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Well, okay. no. well, for and, us, yes, but I, I have met some people that don't feel that way. So I know yeah, there, yeah. there's a split there, but I think there's a leaning more and more towards this is, these are things that definitely need to be addressed. And I'm curious, you know, there's, there's a number of issues that are all seem to me sort of entangled together. Are, are there one or two that you, you know, stand out as sort of more the, the core or the foundation or, or are you more concerned about than others or are they all really just completely well, entangled yeah, I, and all uh, need to be addressed? Well, I, uh... Yeah, I, I'm a, a poet, so I look at the big picture. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with you, they are all connected. There's really a oneness to all of this that's happening. And, and the one idea that saves the world is basically uh, illustrating how this oneness needs to be really examined and looked at and see how all these things interrelate. And so I, this book came out of my concern about all this division with political and religious and cultural. And I, I asked myself, is there one idea that can bring us all together, despite our differences, to do what is necessary and right to save ourselves and the planet? And I think there is one idea that can heal the world because we all want to live in a healthy world, right? And mm -hmm. I think this idea, it's a very, very old idea. And what it's really all about. Um, well, actually, I've got a poem at the beginning. Would you mind if I read oh, the please. poem? Perfect. Oh, please. Perfect. Perfect. It sets yes. the whole book up. Perfect. So this sets the whole book up. And as you're listening to it, um, just see uh, if you know people who are like this. I'm going to tell you about different kinds of people. And the name of the poem is The House is on Fire. Mm -hmm. And this is the beginning of the book. The people in the house are sleeping and in great danger. 
seven of their neighbors will come along, each with an opportunity to save them. Person number one does not see the fire. Consumed in his own thoughts, he passes by in ignorant oblivion. Person number two sees the fire, but not wanting to get involved, walks on by. Person number three sees the fire, but shocked and terrified is left immobilized in a state of panic. Person number four sees the fire and immediately takes action, first phoning the fire department, then knocking on the door to wake up the inhabitants. Person number five sees the fire and daring what no one else would, enters the house to try to save the inhabitants. Person number six sees the fire, surveys the scene, and discovers an opportunity to promote his own interests and make a buck. He's the one handing out his business card to sell his stuff. Person number seven set the fire and lurks unnoticed, watching the destruction, not mm -hmm. caring really about anything at all. The house is Mother Earth. Which person are you? Very. So this very poem really, uh, it, it, it encapsulates the, uh, the central overriding issue of our time, I think, that our world is on fire. It's on the verge of potentially collapse. And what are each of us willing to do about it? And how do we galvanize people to do what is necessary and right? Because the house is our house. The people trapped inside are your children and your grandchildren and all of our descendants in times to come. And they have no power to avert the disaster that awaits them. By the time they are born, it will be too late. Only we can, can save them. And that's what this book is all about. Well, this is, this is what's... This is why you are here, man, because this is what it's about for me, too. We are just, to me, it feels yeah. like the, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's crunch time. It's all hands on deck. And it's, it's yeah. astounding to me that this is not the conversation that everyone is talking about, you know? Right. Yeah, but, right. But, it's then the most the, important conversation. Exactly. I mean, there are... Uh, there's obviously important things to be dealt with when talking about a pandemic or talking about, you know, the, the, the world situation in regards to our separateness of each other and how we are being divided and these kinds of things right. and, the, and the consequences to an individual group or, or bunch of people. But when you start looking at the real overview of what's going to affect everything and all of us it is the the relationship with the planet and what we each do every day right now and I, to me it feels right. like there's uh, there's never been a better opportunity to realize for the, the way i look at it as that we're coming together as a family and and right. uh, and that, that we're we're um this family reunion is is what i've i've been focused on writing about lately and maybe some of the past episodes yeah and actually um 
And actually, as a genealogist, I see the, the human family. All of my research is about uh, seeing how the people connect. And the truth is that we're all literally cousins. We are one family. And that's, that's part of the one idea. And if we start seeing each other that way as members of our family, it's going to uh, make a change in how we interact with people. Right. So what do, you, of, what do you think is, is me? Per, what's preventing us from, from getting there? What's, what is the biggest obstacle well, um, to that connection? Well, the, the biggest, um, our biggest hope, first of all, lies in the goodness of people. Because I think most people really at heart are, are pretty good people and they'll do the right thing if, if they know, you know what's going on and how to deal with it. So the goodness is where we all really need to come together. And what's preventing us is things like selfishness. When, we're, when we only care about ourselves, that doesn't help anybody else. Or another big one is greed. And there's a lot of uh, people who only care about making money instead of helping other people. And um, the, other, the other big one is ignorance. And it's, it's really about educating people. We need to uh, speak the truth and, you know, give people the facts, give them the evidence so that everybody understands what's going on. Because when you can agree on those things, uh, then you can really make progress. So yeah, what, what would you say? I mean, I know a lot of people are doing the little things that they can, but we're still heading down a dark road. We haven't turned that corner yet. You know, we have the Titanic to turn around, essentially. So right. those little things aren't doing as much uh -huh. as we need them to do. So what, do you, what would you recommend for people who want to do more, but look at the big scene and go, it's just overwhelming. Where do I even start? What's mm -hmm. possible? And how can I make a difference? Yeah. 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 Actually, that's what my whole book is about, because it's really addressed to each of us mm -hmm. as individuals, because um, it's an all hand, hands on deck situation. And the thing is, we might not realize how everything we do has an effect. It's ripples. So a positive action affects somebody else and they in turn affect somebody else and it goes on and on and on. And that's really where we, what we need to do. So each of us needs to take a good look at themselves and say, what can I do that's really going to help? And that'll include a lot of things like for what, for example, what you were talking about on downsizing, you know, each of us can look at our lifestyle and ask ourselves, what can we do ourselves to help contribute to the positive effort. And it's really all about positive energy and inner relationships, make them positive. Uh, and two things, I should tell you what the one idea is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good place well, to start. I'm curious. Yeah, because the one idea is what it's all about. So um, it's an idea that has been expressed over and over and over again. You'll hear it from artists and poets and musicians and sciences, science, uh, scientists, philosophers, every great spiritual teacher. And we've heard it many, many, many times before but we've really refused to grasp what it means and what it requires of all of us. And the times are such that we can no longer behave like children who really don't care. We have to really focus on uh, growing up as a species and becoming responsible in adults. Mm -hmm. And it means that this oneness is we are one. That's, that's the one idea. You've heard it over and over mm -hmm. again. And uh, that's it. We are one. We are interconnected 
and interdependent upon one another for our well-being. And it's what Martin Luther King called the interrelated structure of reality. So that means if you're doing well, I'm doing well too, indirectly. Mm -hmm. But if something happens to you negative, it's also going to happen to me. So mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the nature of the relationship. So, and we also uh, need to start so, thinking of ourselves as connected instead of separate. Mm -hmm. and so we, that, and we then, actually do need to take a quick so. break here. Oh, uh, sure. And yeah, so we'll, we, yeah, it okay, is flying by actually. Really? So and then, <laughs> then we'll come back and we're, I know your book mentions things like religion and politics and government and corporate roles and in all of these things. So we have ground to cover. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we do definitely. Okay. Um, but before we do, I do want to let uh, the audience know about some new services we're providing for authors and musicians. You know, as you know, Uncle Mark and I are both award-winning authors, and I spent over 10 years as a content development editor and author coach, and of course, Uncle Mark is a recording artist. So between the two of us, we really, really get just how difficult it can be to get our creative work in front of others and build a loyal audience because oh, yeah. we've we've been there we've we've done that <laughs> definitely oh, yeah. so what we want to do is help you with your book and your music as well and we have some creative ways of doing that just check out our website at rise and shine as one.com click on the advertise with us button at the top of the page. And there's actually multiple ways that you can get help getting your message to the masses with some fun options for any budget. And after the break, you're going to hear one of Uncle Mark's originals, Is It Asking Too Much? It's his version of really expressing exactly everything that we're talking about today in a song. So right after the break, you'll hear that. So stay tuned. And we'll be back right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In our changing world, how can you protect the self-esteem, confidence, and dreams of the children you love in just five minutes a day, even from a distance? To learn more about Uncle Mark's Best Indie Book award-winning kids book, his music, and resources to support families, visit truesunbeam.com. And if you're an author or musician with a similar mission, learn how to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. Visit Uncle Mark at truesunbeam.com. Are you a woman who's tired of staying silent and people-pleasing at the expense of your own health, wealth, and happiness? Discover the roadmap to self-confidence and freedom in Lorianne Rising's international award-winning book, You, Rising, Reclaim Your Life, Live Your Purpose. And if you're an author whose nonfiction or memoir makes a powerful difference, you're invited to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. For books, resources, and show details, visit LorianneRising.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
Is it asking too much to give a little thanks for the air we've been breathing every minute of every day? Is it asking too much to give a little thought to the actions we've been taking and what they're going to mean someday? Is it asking too much? Is it asking too much to lend a helping hand to Earth's habitants whose voices aren't understood by man? Is it asking too much of your 24 hours to stop? Fifteen seconds The next time you see a flower Is it asking too much? Perhaps if we could all appreciate Things we take for granted every day Find no more excuses for continuing to wait And putting off what's needing done today To give tomorrow's kids a chance to play damage done and to ask ourselves if we're a part of the cause or solution and is it asking too much to not blindly close the door but to give our kids a chance of a life worth living for is it asking too Everything we take for granted every day We'll find no more excuses for continuing to wait And putting off what's needing done today To give tomorrow's kids a chance to play Tomorrow's kids a chance to play.
welcome back. You're listening to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. And you just heard one of Uncle Mark's original songs, Is It Asking Too Much? You can find that on his Star Child CD, and that is available on his website at truesunbeam.com. All right, we're here today with Lawrence Overmeyer talking about the one idea that we can all participate in. His, the, the name of his book is The One Idea That Saves the World. And uh, we were just finding out what that one idea is. And, and we interrupted you. And we interrupted so, you. Okay. <laughs> I want to let you finish I'll your thought. Okay. I also want to tell you the, the subtitle is A Message of Hope in a time of crisis. Very good. So this book is, is meant to be uplifting and hopefully it'll inspire people it to really is. help us all because we all need to come together and do something. But, uh, but just to reiterate, so the one idea is we are one, we're interconnected and interdependent upon one another for our well-being. And in that idea, uh, inherent in it are love, compassion, and the golden rule. So the golden rule, you know, it's been expressed in, in various ways in all of the major religions and spiritual traditions. I have like two or three pages in the book with different expressions of the golden rule in every religion. So it's the place where we all connect. And I also think that this one idea is a place where not only religious traditions connect, but also the scientific traditions, because they talk about the oneness of the universe and how we're all a part of it. And the scientists talk about how we as human beings are made of stardust, that mm -hmm. the stars are in our bodies. And so this whole thing really is an idea that can bring us all together. And um, compassion is really important too, because compassion is really about understanding other people and caring about other people. And I think it's one thing that we're kind of getting away from in our society, and I really, I really think we need to focus on compassion and caring and helping one another in, in all of our work. So those of us that are really concerned about this, as we go about our lives, are the, and we can ask ourselves, are we contributing to the compassion in the world? Mm -hmm. How are we helping? Mm -hmm. Do you have thoughts about that? Oh my goodness. I, I <laughs> yeah. have all kinds of thoughts about that. <laughs> I have songs about that. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah. It's definitely a lot of, what we both write about in, in different ways as well. And I, I appreciate that your book addresses religion and sort of the different sides of religion that, that, you know, I'm, I've had a personal concept uh, for me that's like, you know, every religion has its extremists and right. its misunderstandings, but really for me, whatever faith somebody follows, if it makes them a decent, better person and more compassionate, by all means, go for it. Yeah, that's exactly what I think, too. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that there's similarities. I think that's I, I like the uh, I think maybe it's the Baha'i or whatever system uh -huh. that has nine doors that introduce the, the world's nine primary religions that it, as a meeting place. Uh, right. under one roof type of thing and that and then i've heard other ones that have uh the perspective that that the, each religion has its own root that that grows down but it, it all taps into this original source that's that's deep say underground in this case 
and that that but the, all the roots grow from the same source and I, I like those kinds of images when I think about religion but how how would you how do you character characterize yeah, I, it I, I agree completely and I think um, I talk about having an open mind and an open heart so I'm I'm perfectly willing to to explore all the religious traditions because I think all of them have a lot of truth and we can learn from all of them. And so to me, I'm, I'm open. I'm like a sponge and I just want to understand mm -hmm. how people think. And at the core of all religions, again, it's the golden rule and it's about loving people and creating a healthy society. And that's really what we're after here. And to do that, we have to be open-minded, I think, and, and have the open heart. And we're constantly having compassion for whatever people's journeys are. So do you see religion playing a role in either where things have come to now or maybe helping us move forward or some combination thereof, I guess? I mean, what, what yes, role is religion um, playing? A religion plays a huge role because they have so many followers. So the, what I am encouraging all religious leaders to do is to focus on the message of love and compassion and kindness and the golden rule. Because if we're focusing there, instead of in other areas where we're maybe working against different groups of people, let's focus on our oneness. Let's focus where we come together. And I ask uh, religious leaders to, to find ways that you can help your congregation get together with those other groups of people. Maybe mm. you can share a meal together and try to understand one another. I've been involved in those situations before and they're really wonderful experiences. So it's really mm. about bringing people together and as a religious leader, they can do so much in this regard. And I, I really want to encourage Absolutely. all of them to, to focus on the human family and let's get to know each other and let's love one mm. another. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's about time. That. Now you're, and your book talks about a number of different things that affect families and people uh, personally, and especially in their homes, one of which would be the media. Yeah. What, what, what role does the media play in, in all of this? Uh, not, not to open is, a can of worms or anything. Yeah, just, but. just a, yeah, quick it's a big topic. can of worms. Um, yeah, the media, well, here's what's happening. Um, we're losing sight of truth in the media. And we always, anybody who's in the media, anybody who's a journalist or, or your, your job is to inform other people, you've got to uphold what is true. You have to give us the facts. You have to focus on the important issues. And today it's, it's just anything goes and there is so much misinformation and outright lying going on that it's really preventing us from coming together. And instead of getting to know someone, we slap a label on them and put them in a little box. And then we don't even want to listen to what they have to say. And it's just not a, a healthy way to go about things. Do you think this is being done deliberately by... Uh, well, you know, in the, in the poem, I had the sixes and sevens. Mm -hmm. Now, the sixes are the opportunists who uh, are more concerned about making a buck and, you know, kind of using the system to get whatever they want. And the sevens are, are people that I would consider, well, you, you might call them sociopaths or, or, or psychopaths. I prefer to call them spiritually ill. They're disconnected from mm -hmm. humanity and they're disconnected to such an extent that they don't care about mm -hmm. other people. And I think you have people like that that are in the very highest levels of, of society and they have a lot of power 
And when that happens, you're going to have a lot of negative things happening. And uh, it's, it's really going to pull us apart, and we're never going to be able to come together unless we can find leaders who really have compassion, integrity, knowledge. They're, they're driven by truth, and they want to help us all, no matter what our politics are. They want to help everybody in the human race. And then mm-hmm. we're going to have good leadership. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And we're striving for the ideals, but the ideals show us the way. And if we can even get uh, a small percentage, that's going to make a difference. And that's why I encourage each one of us to do what we can, because it does matter. And the more of us who come together, the more impact it's going to have. So we're at a point right now that it's kind of depressing, <laughs> let's face it. Oh, but boy. the more of us who come together and start working for the good of the world, then we have a real chance to make a real difference. Mm-hmm. Well, and in terms of, okay, so obviously this is the reason for your book. Are there other uh, forms of media, for instance, uh, places that you go to for inspiration, things that you, uh, songs that you listen to, uh, artists that are performing or writing the kind of music that perhaps might be helpful for this, you know, transition. To offset. To offset. Well, it's, yeah. it's interesting <laughs> you bring that up. I was just thinking uh, the other day about how I grew up in the 60s and the, and the music of the 60s, wow, it was so there was it was deep it was shallow it was about love it was about war it had everything but it was so um uh, so moving and it made you think you know Mm -hmm. the beatles and i mean they were basically singing about love and peace the whole time and then you have uh, you know other groups that would come at different angles and there were songs about social justice and what was happening and mm-hmm. there were songs that really moved you something uh, so, happened in yeah, here there you go that's that's a big one yeah so mm-hmm. that that's it i mean mm-hmm. I, I love the music of the 60s i'm kind of an old guy um mm-hmm. and i i kind of feel out of touch with some of the more modern music but it's basically whatever moves you as an individual but music can be such a healer and, mm-hmm. and, and it can really have a positive impact on your life. And a, a lot of times musicians in their work will touch the whole, the whole universe, basically the whole world with their music. And, and it's so important. Well, this is there certainly the, the desire. I think it's a, the, the international language that, yeah, I agree. that we've really got to uh, it, enliven, uh, uh-huh. employ, apply, you know, connect to whatever. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm wide open for, for any listeners that have supportive, uh, uh, encouraging positive music that, that would be uh, appropriate for shows like this or for, you know, that, that, that yeah, we, we all need to be listening to, you know, absolutely. Let us know. China'sOne.com and, 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 and let us know. About yeah, develop a playlist. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. Is, this is where <laughs> I, I think we can't, can't be doing this soon enough and, and often enough and sharing it wide enough to, for where we, where we are these days. So, right. Yeah. But, um, in terms of, Oh, did you, well, I, I was just wondering, I mean, with the media and politics, it, they seem to be pretty intertwined and, and the media, yeah. at least in my opinion, has become a bit of a puppet of some of our 
leaders, although I use that term loosely in my opinion. Um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm curious if we're really talking about massive change in terms of what is going to really save the planet for our kids and our grandkids, what role does government itself need to play in that process? Well, the government are our leaders and they have to, as I said, we need people of integrity. They have to have compassion. They have to be knowledgeable. So they really have to be concerned about the entire human race because the decisions we're making now are going to infect the entire planet. And, and that's really what's missing. Um, if you think of like um, indigenous cultures, the, the chiefs, the leaders, the sachems, they, could, they, were, they were caring about their whole community and that was basically mm -hmm. their job. They weren't talking about, I'm just gonna help this group or I'm gonna help that person. They cared about everyone and they even sacrificed for the whole. So mm -hmm. those are the kind of leaders we need and we need them in, in not only in government, we need them in, in big business and in the corporate world. And again, everybody has a role to play. So as an individual, I might buy a product from a corporation, but if I find out that corporation is doing some things I don't agree with, I'm going to take my business somewhere else to somebody that is in, in, in accord with my values. And so publicize, really about, publicize yeah, your experience. And, su su and support those people that are doing good things right. in the world. And that's right. one thing we can all do, support all the people that are, they're doing, doing the right thing. They're helping people. They're trying to get this whole thing on the right track. And uh, that's where we need to galvanize together. Absolutely. Yeah, voting with our dollars is probably Absolutely. the only way to direct corporations. It yeah. Seems and, like. and it also, it always helps to express yourself too. write letters, sign petitions, mm -hmm. get your voice out there. And, and if social media, it can be great for this too. Uh, you know, express your position. Uh, your positions. Uh, mm -hmm. Always, I, uh, applying the golden rule, I would say on social media, always do it with respect. And mm -hmm. respect is another thing that is really missing. And we've got to respect each other because it's going to create a much healthier society. And we also have to respect Mother Earth and all life upon it. Well, That's it, really comes, it really comes down, doesn't it, to, to our basic values around pretty much everything. I mean, our relationship to each other, our relationship to the earth. And, yeah. and it just seems like, like our values have shifted a lot, you yeah. know, with this, with this media based culture. And I don't know, do, do you see uh, that, that, that coordinating a change uh, yeah, I, focus on our values? Actually, um, I, I recommend three fundamental changes that we need to make as a society in the book. Uh, the first thing is we have to value one another and planet Earth over the accumulation of money, material goods, and power. Amen. So we need to shift there. And this will require that we make decisions based on the wisdom of long-term considerations for the greater good rather than short-term financial gain for the few. That's number one. The second thing that we have to do, we must value truth. We must demand honesty and integrity from our leaders, the media, our businesses, and our institutions. And more importantly, perhaps, we must hold them accountable when they fail. There must be some accountability. And mm -hmm. the third thing we really have to value as human beings is generosity. We have to rise above our 
own little selfish egos and become truly caring people who gladly give them themselves to help others. I mean, imagine uh, if you were in a community where everybody is helping one another and, oh, you need something here, I'll help you out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Again, I can go back to the... I can go back to the Native American tradition where, uh, you know, the chief would give everything away, and mm -hmm. all of his goods. Or, or another person might say, hey, I really need a blanket. And they oh, here, take this one. It was all about generosity mm -hmm. and giving. They didn't consider that that material thing, that blanket or whatever, was more important than the human being. Right. The human being was always the most important. Like an extension of themselves. It really was right. like... Yeah, because they, they recognized... Actually, they had the one idea. Right. So right. The, that, they had it then. It's and, a very, very old idea. And we need yeah. to reclaim it. We need to bring it back. Yeah. And the golden rule, just yeah. treating others as... Isn't it... As you would have them treat you. Yeah. And imagine um, if that happened in every workplace. Yeah. Everybody yeah. treated everybody with you respect. Know? And that has to be... Um, for each of us, it has to be uh, foremost in our minds. I'm going to go into this situation and I'm going to treat everybody with respect. And even mm -hmm. if somebody is attacking me or I get hurt in some way, you know, I can still deal with that situation in a respectful manner. And that, you know, that's something that might require training. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we could do workshops on that, how you deal with people. But, but it's something we all need to be aware of. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, I know one of the things that I came across in when I was in a leadership role a number of years ago was, you know, there's the golden rule, of course, that we're talking about here. And, and most of us know, you know, treating others as, as you would want to be treated. But we were actually taught to consider the platinum rule, which was treating others the way they wanted to be treated, which means you would have to actually stop to get to know them, because sometimes the way I want to be treated is different. Right. And so and that's that a, extra level of relationship and mm -hmm. understanding and putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, yeah. all of those things really shifted all of the relationships. It was interesting to, to right. notice that. And that's, uh, that's empathy. And I haven't mentioned empathy before. It kind of goes along with compassion. And empathy is something that I need to do in my work all the time. As an actor, you constantly have to empathize with the role you're playing that character so you have to understand who that person is and you have to how do they think how do they feel how do they react those are the things that go into creating a part and the same thing as a writer i need to understand how people are thinking and i have to put myself in their shoes and empathy is again something like compassion that we have to uh, promote it more in our culture we have to, you know, praise people that are empathetic and, sh and, and showing compassion. Those are the, the stories that we share and we celebrate. So, again, each of us can ask ourselves, how can I promote empathy in my work? What can I do? And we all can do a lot of things. We just have to put our minds to it and make some choices. Mm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and it probably associated with that is your, uh, when you talk about earth consciousness in the book, um, obviously we've got to be more of a, an empathic, empathic uh, participant on the earth and, and, and in taking care to, of, yeah. of our, our environment as, as, as it sustains us. Uh, what is your interpretation or definition of earth consciousness? Well, so, um, so the idea, again, it's the one idea. What we do to the environment, we do to ourselves. We're all interconnected. Everything is interconnected. So earth consciousness 
is about having an awareness at all times of how our personal and communal actions, thoughts, and feelings affect the earth itself and all life upon it. And mm -hmm. so this is something that really uh, we need to practice. And so from the moment you get up in the morning, just, just be conscious of how you go about your day. We're talking about, you know, uh, minimizing and reducing. For example, if you take a shower, how much shampoo are you going to use? Because <laughs> the, the more you can reduce, the better it is for the planet. So I'm not going to use that big glob of shampoo I used to use. I'm just going to use enough that I need, or I'm going to use the water that I need. And if you go through your day like that and ask yourself questions, how is what I'm doing here, how does that affect the earth? What is the impact on that? Uh, so that's what earth consciousness is about. It's an ongoing process and it requires a lot of um, investigation, finding out, again, we're talking about truth. What mm -hmm. is the truth? And how, do, what, how does what I do affect the planet? And, and there's so many ways on all parts of our lives that we're affecting the planet and we need to do what we can to heal it. Well, and your book provides a list of 100 yeah. things we can all do for a healthier planet. What are the top two or three that you think to start with? And we're, we're getting close to our end of our time. Oh, okay. Well, there's two big ones. There's two yeah. big ones. A lot of people aren't going to like these two. No. <laughs> but they are the two biggest ones. The biggest one is transportation. Um, so if you can reduce um, the fuel consumption of your vehicle, get an energy efficient vehicle, if you have to drive, uh, most of us have to drive in this modern, modern age. If you don't have to drive, you can walk, you can bike. And a lot of people are doing that. They're, they're, whenever they can, they're using you know, much more fuel efficient methods of transportation. That's number one. And number two is uh, diet. And this is the one that people don't want to hear about. But um, a, a plant-based diet, uh, plants, fruits, vegetables, is much healthier for the earth than the meat consuming diet, which requires land to be cleared. And then you have to go crops to feed the animals and it's really inefficient. There's also a lot of pollution. So, uh, and again, if you have any questions about this, there's a ton of, of work out there that really goes into the science behind it. But those are probably the two biggest things you can do is uh, rethink your transportation and your diet. Awesome. Wow. Fantastic. Thank you for Thank that. Thank you very so, much, Lawrence. So where, where can somebody get a copy of this book and, and learn more? Okay, so the, the first edition came out in 2012. This is the second edition uh, this year, 2020, and it comes out September 16th is the release date. So it's not out yet, but um, it will be on my website, lawrenceovermeyer.com, or you can purchase a copy directly from the publisher, imarkbooks.com and it'll also be available on Amazon or bookstores uh, wherever you can find it. Wonderful. Right. Man, well, well, thank you so much, Lawrence, it was, for yeah, it's being been great. here. It Man, a, it's, I've been enjoying going through it. Very it's much. Hopefully you're, you're galvanized. You guys are already doing the one idea, but keep up the good work. <laughs> thank you very well, we much. we can for always being get a, better, too. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you so being a part thank of you the so message. much. And we'll look forward to touching bases and keeping, keeping in touch here. So, okay, uh, great. With, with what's down the road here. Um, and, Okay. So but before we go, please, please remember to send in your tips on book suggestions and uh, or whatever, even a link to an expert that you know about downsizing or living a minimalist lifestyle. I need all the help I can get, basically. Okay? Oh, okay. So just, just uh, <laughs> for our listeners and, and you, Lawrence, I appreciate this. Uh, whatever you come to mind. 
but it's it's definitely a process we're going through and we'd love to turn it into something that will benefit others as well so visit rise and shine as one.com and use the contact form to let us know and remember if you or someone you know has a children's book nonfiction, or memoir the world needs to know about visit our website at rise and shine as one.com to tap into the fun options we're making available or like we mentioned before if you or someone you know is a musician who's creating music with a message that needs to be heard we want to play your song Absolutely. so there's there's details on the website as well at rise and shine as one Dot com. All right. So, well, thank you again for joining yes, us today, Thank Lawrence. you. Thank you. And, and until next week. And and thank you again for uh, for our listeners for joining us as well for, and being a part of our show. So keeping in touch. So until next week, wherever you are. There's time. For remembering to rise, rise and shine. shine. <laughs> Take care. Thank you for listening to Rise and Shine. Please join Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead for another great show next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, keep rising and shining. It's not all, not the joy, it's not